Are you all ready to join me today in our trip to outer space? Come along quietly or not. I will talk to you of art. For there is nothing else. Some artists make a Hello folks, this is Albert Shivers and welcome to another episode of the Planet Shivers podcast. On this episode, I am joined by Noah Kep-Wilson. Noah and I cover all sorts of ground, from Noah's writing to art, what's going on in the world. We cover a lot. Before we get to that, just want to fill you guys in a little bit. My art show at the Gamut Gallery is still going on in Stroudsburg. That show will be up until June 3rd, I believe. And you can see some of my very newest work featuring Marilyn Monroe and my other high contrast ink drawings, Pointillism and Drip. I'm very excited about this new style I'm developing. Pointillism, what do I got to be fancy? It's dots, it's all dots. Also, at the end of this week, April 24th, my art will be featured at the Rubik's Pube album release party near Nazareth. Uh, it's going to be a great show. Headed up by the new band Rubik's Pube, led by Vanessa. Also, Nate Marks and his Squirrel Trappers are going to be there, as well as not only other musical acts, but some stand-up comedians. Should be a great show. I'll talk all about it on the next episode. Most importantly, before we get to Noah, I'm very excited to share with you guys that Brother of the Pod, Isaac Wilson has put out his new music video. You can go find it on YouTube if you type in Old King Moon. That's the name of the YouTube channel. It's a really a phenomenal video. I helped Isaac do a little filming on it, but he did a tremendous job editing. And within the video is from all over the place, all footage that Isaac captured through the years. Not only is the video great, but the music is phenomenal too. And I eventually want to have Isaac come on, talk about the music video and what some of his thoughts were behind it without ruining it. You know, you get too, you get too bogged down in picking things apart and the meaning and da-da-da-da-da. You can very easily ruin the art. I think it'll be great to have Isaac talk a little bit about it. It's even better if you go check it out yourself on YouTube. Look up Old King Moon. Um, right now, his music video is the video there. Click on it, watch it, enjoy it, and share it for Christ's sake. All right, with all that said, I hope you enjoy myself, Isaac, and Noah and our conversation. Catch you on the other side. Oh, and one more thing. I forgot to mention the name of Isaac's new song. The name of the song is Born Under the Grid on YouTube under Old King Moon. I'm sorry, Isaac. I forgot... There's a there's a 24-hour-a-day carnival going on in my head, and sometimes a few people slip past the gate. Anyway, enjoy the conversation. Isaac, Noah, me, go! When did gum get so soft, you sons of bitches? You know what this country used to chew? Tree bark, glass, shotgun shells, the broken swords of our vanquished enemies. That's why I buy Bazooka Joe gum. It's like chewing a mountain that someone shot a freeze ray into. What's wrong with this country? Huh? When did we lose our way? Detroit? Life is hard. 
Rockford and everything else be harder. Alright folks, welcome to the Planet Service Podcast. And on this episode, um, first of all, Isaac is back. Hello. And our guest today on this episode is local writer and a great mind and a friend, Noah Kep Wilson. Thanks for doing the show, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate Definitely. It. No, I've been excited to to finally get you on and, and have good conversation. So I guess we could start off um, with your writing, if you want to talk a little bit on that and sure. um, give folks a little introduction to yourself. Yeah, sure. Well, I grew up in uh, Upper Black Eddy, Pennsylvania, small town, uh, about 10 miles south of here in Robsville. So yeah, I've spent my whole life here except for college, did that thing for a bit out near Erie, PA. Uh, Edinburgh University, mm-hmm. which was a really cool experience to be out there. Um, and that, I guess, all of those things, being a kid, high school, college, people all, you know, affected me as a writer and a, mm-hmm. as a creative person in general, and as a person in general, I suppose. But I guess the first time I really did any writing, I was probably like 12 when I first mm-hmm. started out, just messing around. And actually, the first thing, oddly enough, that inspired me to write was a TV show, which was Lost. Remember okay. that show? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I used to love that when I was a kid, and I was okay. all about it, and I was like mm-hmm. 12 when it started. Something about it, my 12-year-old brain loved it, and it, I, I got really into the characters. Mm-hmm. And after that, I just started, I, I, I think I started, I, I can't remember how far I got into it. It was like a, it was like a fantasy story mm. and it was all like character based and it was all like very uh it started in one location and i was getting to know all these different characters and mm. just doing that and it was very you know it was very basic and it was very uh you know uh, maybe a little a little wild like you know i was i don't know i guess i always had kind of a wild imagination and maybe i wasn't as like concise and as i should have been and you know detailing everything but mm-hmm. it kind of went off the rails that story i probably have it somewhere i can't remember mm-hmm. but it, it was fun I, I think i got like 40 or 50 pages into it but you know that was the first ever thing that i wrote and then after that it was like i, I guess throughout school you know i english class was always the only thing i didn't totally slack off at it was mm-hmm. the only thing i was really interested in mm-hmm. you know and i i wrote you know poetry and high school and short stories and got into that. Right. And then when I got to college, um, you know, I was undeclared for a while and then I finally became an English major. I almost became a psych major because I'm very interested in behavior and people in general mm-hmm. and society. But I became an English writing major and did that and that was uh, really, really cool. Um, met a lot of great people and I got really into personal essay writing like nonfiction, mm-hmm. writing about my own experiences and, uh, you know, using that as a way to touch on wider issues. So mm-hmm. I'd write about whether it would be something like going for an uh, adventure in the woods, an experience I had at like uh, a camp or something. I went to one, one kind of camp situation once my dad brought me to. It was like a, was it with the with the scouts? I can't remember. The Cub Scouts? I can't, <clears throat> can't remember, but I write about that and write about other experiences mm-hmm. that, you know, shaped me and 
going to, you know, whatever it was, uh, I sort of got really into writing about um, just those life experiences. So it was only um, like in recent years, like the past couple, and particularly the past year, I've kind of gotten back into poetry more than anything else, Okay, which has been fun. So yeah, that's, that's, I kind of, and also I had an interest in screenwriting for a while. Because I've always loved movies, so mm -hmm. that was, you know, but that's kind of on the back burner, you know. Gotcha. <clears throat> what kind of stuff are you working on, like, around now? Well, right now, as I said, I'm focused on the poetry. <clears throat> My plan is to have, I'm working on one longer poem that's sort of going to be like a, a mini epic of sorts, I guess you could say. And I'm about 14 pages into it, and my plan is to have some shorter poems sort of published with it if I can. Okay. That's a whole other thing, but once I get, I want to get all of these things complete, um, this one longer poem and then all the, you know, several other, maybe a dozen or so other shorter ones that sort of accompany this longer poem. Mm -hmm. They're kind of thematically related, and uh, I want them, I, I would like for them all to be one book of complete poems together. That's kind of my goal right now. Okay. And that really came into focus even uh, in the past, really especially in the past month or two. Um, because other than that, I've also been working on a, uh, a longer project that I know now is going to take a long time. It's sort of a, a sci-fi fantasy novel. Okay. That's a brand new thing. I started it like a year and a half ago, I think. And I, I, I only have like a chapter and a half written. You know, I've only been working on it sporadically. But that's something that's been on my mind a lot. Mm -hmm. But it's a long-term project. I realize it's going to take me a long time. Right. So, in the meantime, I figure, well, since I've also been vibing with poetry again, I might as well focus on that. I can get that done a little bit faster. You mm -hmm. know, maybe make something happen with that uh, in the meantime. Get something out there, because you know, I'm uh, uh, not published as of yet. That's mm -hmm. the goal in the next... Mm -hmm. Maybe this year, you know, I'll try to put myself out there and make it happen. But yeah. that's a whole other thing than the actual creative process. You yeah. know, it's a very yeah. different animal. I haven't even begun to tackle that yet. Right. So, yeah. So who who are some writers that you are influenced by or, or writers that you read, uh, like, regularly? Who are some favorites? Well, first of all, in the way of fiction... Mm -hmm. um, well, I mean, Tolkien comes to mind. Okay. Uh, he's always been, like, near and dear to my heart, like mm -hmm. so many people. You know, right. The Lord of the Rings and the Silmarillion are, like, kind of my, you know, in my heart forever. Okay. So he's, like, he's the one that, he was probably the first that really got me, like, in love with books, to be honest, mm -hmm. in, in a way that I hadn't been before. Um, Dan Simmons... I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's oh, fantastic. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm in the middle of finishing his. Um, I'm on book four of the, which is the final book in the Hyperion series. It's like far future Earth science fiction, and mm. it's really incredible. I, I've been loving it so much. It's honestly, it's like the best sci-fi I've ever read. It's so good. I, I recommend it to everyone. Um, it's just the the concepts are 
really incredible and the characters are great so well written like the amount of detail and precision in the world he built in these four books is just pretty phenomenal i think the first book was in came out in the late 80s um hyperion Uh, i can't remember exactly what year and and then the three preceding books into the 90s i think but he's just so good i've really fallen in love with dan simmons and and i know he writes um these are the first things I've read by him, so I'm looking. For, he's written a lot, you know, mainly in science fiction and horror genres, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, reading more of his stuff after I finish this. So he's another one. Um, Aldous Huxley I like a lot. Uh, Brave New World really inspired me. It's a great book. Um, Carlos Castaneda I was on a kick for a while as a teenager, and uh, in my early 20s I was really into Castaneda the bizarre life and bizarre writer but really inspiring and mm-hmm. for all of his probable weird faults and crazy life just a talented interesting artist um so i really like him a lot uh, herman hesse is another big one uh, like siddhartha and narcissus and goldman i really was affected by when i was a teenager and growing up and uh he's great i i, I started reading uh another book recently by him called Beneath the Wheel, I think it's... Yeah, I have to finish it. I put it down when I started Hyperion, and unfortunately I forgot about it. Mm-hmm. I have to finish it. Oh, and another one I have to finish, which I've really been loving, is The Magic Mountain by Thomas Mann. Okay. It's really good. Really good. I think um, they made a movie that was semi-inspired by it a few years ago. What was the name of that movie? Um... A Cure for Wellness, okay. I think, is the one. And it's sort of semi-inspired by it. Uh, mm-hmm. The movie was pretty good, but the book is great. Um, so in the way of fiction, those are the ones that come to mind offhand. Um, I, oh, I also really like um, Annie Pruel. She, was, uh, she wrote the... Uh, the only thing I've read only a few things by her, but um, uh, the short, some short stories by her that were really, mm-hmm. really inspiring and... Uh, some other things. So she's great. Um, and in the way of poets, um, I've really always been into W.H. Auden a lot. Okay. Um, Rudyard Kipling uh, really inspired me. Um, I don't know. There's been so many. I mean, I like William Blake a lot, mm-hmm. Edgar Allan Poe, and Emily Dickinson. Mm-hmm. All of them I really like a lot. Um, recently, I rediscovered how much I love Maya Angelou. Um, okay. she's pretty fantastic um, but I mean there's there's so many and, and there's like with any art you can't really there's endless amounts that yeah. you can consume and mm-hmm. there's always going to be more I was thinking about the other day the fact that when you from an objective point of view there is a literal uh, amount of art that exists on the planet there is a finite amount right but to each human being, yeah. it's endless. Right. There's always going to be more. Yeah. So it's it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, like it, it always, you know, like the new things will always continue to be produced. Right. And all that was produced exists forever, so right. long as it has been preserved and published. And yeah. Of course, there's a lot that's lost to history, I'm sure. But, uh, you yeah. know, we're still reading Shakespeare. We're still listening to Mozart, you know. Yeah. 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 So. And I think like the, the computer age, really shortened that gap, between right. like the, 
centuries of different art and things coming out. Now it's just all basically in one place for us to find it. Yeah. Without having to go through a big search. Right. Yeah, mix them together and everything. It's crazy. Yeah, and people have the ability to put out uh, their own work a little bit more easily. Mm -hmm. You know, anybody could uh, start a blog or, you know, yeah. uh, or, or self-publish. That's industry has grown. That's something I've considered as an option. I don't know if I'll pursue that. I know some people who have self-published their books and mm -hmm. had some success with it. So that's something that I may look into in the future. But, uh, of course, then the issue becomes, uh, you know, gaining the audience, the reach, right. the, the, the not having a publicist to promote your work yeah. and, you know, getting out there. It's a whole other thing. I know uh, traditionally, especially in regards to poetry, um, it's like they say, oh, you should get your foot in the door, publish something in a literary magazine, you know, one piece right. in a literary magazine or a journal or something and get your foot in the door and get, get your name out there. And, and that makes sense. But and I may do that, uh, attempt that. But for this particular project I'm working on now, it, it feels like it needs to be one thing all published together because it's all related. Right. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can understand that. Yeah. So there, there are so many different ways to come at writing. Mm -hmm. So many different directions and angles. So like, what, um, do you have like a, a process, a writing process? Mm -hmm. If so, like, would you mind going into it? Sure, and I think it's interesting because it depends on what form we're talking about. Okay. I've noticed that my process changes depending on if I'm working on fiction or a personal essay or a poem. Mm -hmm. The, the process is somewhat different. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I noticed that when I'm working on like this science fiction novel I started last year that's mm -hmm. going to be the long-term project, when I'm working on that, it's very... Um, well, I have... It's always going... It's been... Since the story came to me, it's always going in the back of my brain where the story's going, what, what's coming down in the future, in the mm -hmm. story, where we're going to go. It's all like running in my brain as I'm writing, and I'm writing each part, I'm going through, and I tend to, to be a perfectionist while I'm wor working on it. I, I won't move on to a new chapter unless I'm really satisfied with gotcha. what I've done before, and I, I kind of edit a lot as I go. So if I... Sometimes it's, it's, it's just I'm in the zone and it's flowing and you're in a space where it's being translated from wherever it comes from. And it, mm -hmm. you're pretty, I don't want to use the word perfect, but you feel really good about it as mm -hmm. it is. And then maybe you reach a point where you, something just isn't working. One sentence or one word and it isn't working and I can't go past it until I get that one word right or that one sentence right. Mm -hmm. I can't go on and then come back and fix it. Yeah, I have yeah. to fix it in the moment and make it right or else I can't go forward because the the cadence and the style and the voice um, all flows together and I, I don't want it to be interrupted. I want to maintain that throughout. And, you know, not to say that I don't sometimes go back further. I obviously, I reread a lot what I've written and maybe I'll, I'll tweak some things here and there later on, but in general, I like to have it like as it is. I like to really have it perfected. Um, 
and maybe that'll change. Maybe in the future when I get the thing done and I'll, I'll go through a whole new editing process and make sure mm -hmm. that it's the way it is. But in general, I edit as I go and I like to make it as good as it can be before I can move on. But uh, again, like I know where the story's gonna end. I, I know all the major plot points. It's all in my head. I have mm -hmm. several pages of notes. Uh, it's all like, cause the story itself doesn't stop in my mind. I can't right. write as fast as my brain goes, you yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, so it's all there and I know where it's going. Um, but comparing that to um, writing a nonfiction personal essay, for example, um, and maybe you, I wouldn't think this, but I've realized that for me, it's true writing something that is more of a personal essay um i actually don't know where it's going to end up it's mm -hmm. not all runny in my head the way the story the fictional story is okay because i'll begin uh, an essay about my early childhood memory for example and I'll, I'll start writing about it and i don't know where it's going to go or where mm -hmm. it's going to take me i'll recall this memory or this experience mm -hmm. And I'll try to get into how I felt then and what it was like and what it meant to me. And it'll go, it goes somewhere. It goes somewhere interesting. And it's mm -hmm. sort of out of my control. Right. And I may start an essay that I think is going to be about one thing, but it ends up being about something totally different. Mm -hmm. It takes on a wider context and becomes something universal perhaps and I guess that's the goal with essay writing is to yeah. have a personal experience that's very personal and very specific but it becomes universal by the end of it because the the theme or the meaning of it or someone can identify with something in it um, so I guess I guess that's um, I don't know for me that's just the nature of it so I but I noticed that difference um, with fiction and nonfiction which when thinking about it now, I would imagine, I, part of my brain would say, well, the fiction should be the one that's more freewheeling. You don't know where it's going to go. And yet, mm -hmm. the fiction is the one where I know exactly where it's going to go. Not right. to say, though, not to say that it, it, it does surprise me. And it, mm -hmm. it, it's not that, I, I don't know everything. I don't want to say that I know everything about the fictional story going to happen. I know the, the ending. I know the major plot points. I know the characters. Right. It does grow organically as I write it, and new layers are added. Mm, um, right. And it, So it's not like this stagnant thing. It does change. But my point is that in general, I know the outline. And in nonfiction, I don't know the outline when I'm talking about my own personal experiences. Mm -hmm. Because it, I have no idea. Because it, it in, in and of itself is an exploration of maybe something that I didn't know about or think about. But right. I'm tapping into it, I'm diving deep into it, I'm remembering, and then seeing how I feel about it, and it may reveal something. So it's more mysterious in a sense. Um, right. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. that's like the, the magic of like personal essays or journaling, mm -hmm. is that it is this, you know, you're one-on-one -on -one with yourself, going through a, a certain, whether it's this, that day or a period of your life, and that other things can bubble up to the surface as you're going through one thing like you're saying that other things start coming up sure sure and then with poetry it's it's another thing I think uh, with poetry I've found um, the main thing is just to be it, it's more instantaneous and surprising in a lot of senses I find that I have to just be prepared wherever I am 
throughout the day. It could be getting breakfast out somewhere or mm. just uh, just hanging out doing or doing something out on a walk somewhere. And suddenly, uh, just words will come from nowhere, mm. and you got to be ready to capture it in the moment. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing with poetry, especially. And maybe that'll be true to an extent with with the book I'm writing or anything you're writing, you'll think of an idea will come to you at a random time of day, but I find it's more so with poetry. Um, for me, it's, it's more so. It's like catching, it's like a lightning bolt almost, just from somewhere, and you've just gotta be ready to capture it because it'll, it'll fade and disappear. That's what I've experienced too. If I'm not ready, something maybe will come to me and then it's gone. It's you a know? heartbreaking feeling. It's yeah, yeah, right. Just notebooks and little, and quips are just like clues almost as to what you were thinking at that moment that can mm -hmm. kind of I don't know I can kind of apply that to like the fiction thing you know the thing I was trying to write I guess it's kind of the, the same deal with that <clears throat> sure you know, I, just, sure. I do find like rereading a bunch of it it's hard to kind of keep the flow of it going but it, it's weird like say as with like a painting that you're doing or something or like you're making a song it's like you could almost sort of you got the whole thing kind of mapped out you know you could just like lay the base sort of coat down or the basic figures, whatever, see where it's going, but with the whole, if it's all like a internal sort of intellectual, you know, thing that's happening, you know, you can't really see the, the horizon of it, you know, as far as like what you're trying to describe or what story, it can really just right. branch out to any, anywhere. Sure, sure, sure. And it is heartbreaking when you miss those moments, because I felt yeah. that too, you know, you're, you're, you're not ready for it and like a a phrase, a line, and a poem that may come to me, and I, I'm trying. I don't have my phone on me. I don't have p pen and paper on me. Right. And I'm like, don't for you know. I, just, yeah, I sometimes I'll usually I lose it. Um. So I gotta always be prepared. I try to do that now. I try to always have something that I can take it down on and just be ready to capture it. Yeah. Yeah. Like just the other day, like I was driving, so I couldn't like write it. I was like, oh my god! I, I knew I was gonna forget it. Right, right, right. So I'm like, hit my phone enough so it gets like audio <laughs> recording. Yeah, yeah. Just like screaming into my phone <laughs> and did like script writing for my films, and that always seems to be like to me it was the a different kind of difficult than the other art forms. Right. For me right. personally, sure. Because you are really. Your your mind is the tool, right? right. And you're just wielding right. these ideas right out of your mind. And there's right. very little, you know, like a musician needs to learn his instrument as well as his songs. Mm -hmm. A mm -hmm. painter needs to know how to paint mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. before and to put that idea there. But a writer, it doesn't matter just, what your handwriting looks like. Right. It doesn't matter if you're typing it. You know. Exactly. Yeah. Like there's there's very little in between you right. and it the is, art form. It is. Yeah. It's just sure. you. It's. Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought of that, really. That's a good point. And, and with the poetry, I was just thinking, too, um, the, the other... Um, so when it does come to me, I'm gonna, when I do a, a phrase or a beginning of a sentence or a beginning of a poem, it comes to me and I, I tap into it and I follow it and I capture it and I mm -hmm. allow it to do what it's going to do. Typically, I'll, I'll just go until it's done. Or I can't take breaks. Like with okay. fiction or with nonfiction, I can put it down and come back to it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? But with a poem, in general, I can't put it down. Like I have to finish it living in right. one moment, in one shot. Gotcha. And whether that be ten minutes or an hour, if it's or whatever, um, I have to 
keep going. Now, the caveat to that is um, if it's a longer, like this longer poem I'm describing, um, where I, I just, it's too much to um, do in one shot. I want to, mm -hmm. you know, continue it and, and have it be perfect. Um, in that sense, uh, I, I will come back to it. That's the only time, though, in my life, actually, is this specific poem that, as I said, I'm like 14 or so pages into. It's the only time I've ever put a poem down and worked on it steadily over time. Okay. Most poems, so I should, you know, 99% of the time, I have to do it in one shot. But if, obviously, if it's a longer thing, you know, and it's going to be really, like, extensive, I, I just don't have the physical wherewithal to stay with it for... 24 or 48 hours, you know, right. like continue, continue until it's done and marathon it. Right. So I do put that, to be fair, I do, that's one example where I'll, I'll put it down and I'll come back to it. Mm -hmm. But in general, I like to, I like to finish it uh, as on, when it comes to me. Because it, it feels like um, once that switch turns on, it's just going to go and you've got to just get the whole thing down. Yeah. In general, that's what it feels like. So mm -hmm. um, it's interesting, you know, working on this longer poem I've actually never done that before. Most of my poems, I guess they average two or three pages. They're not that, and some of them are shorter, mm -hmm. but they're not that 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 long. This is the only one that is that is more uh, in depth and longer, I guess you could say. Okay. So it's it's inter It's been interesting to work on it because it has been different in several ways, but mainly in the way that I am coming back to it. But I guess when I come back to it, you do kind of. You know, you, you tap back into it to an extent, and you try to pick up where you left off. Right. Yeah. So, being that, like, with this being an exception, with mm -hmm. your other poetry, um, when you sit down to, to start to write it, is it similar to your process of the, the nonfiction personal essay or the fiction where... Do you have any kind of a plan going in? Do you leave your poems a little there's, more open? There's no plan with okay. poetry. There's no plan. To okay. uh, again, actually, except the exception. <laughs> right. The long poem. Mm -hmm. There is a plan with that one. I have in mind where it's going. Right. That's funny that you bring that up because this longer poem that I'm working on, I actually know uh, the ending, which mm -hmm. is something I've never experienced with poetry. Mm -hmm. I know the phrase, the last few lines, I know what they'll be. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm like halfway there, but I know what they'll be. So that's, again, that's the exception. But in general, all the other poems, I do not know because I'm just in the moment with them. Maybe that's why, because I'm just in the moment with them flowing. I don't have time to look ahead to the future. Right. I'm just in the moment, line by line by line. And then when I get there, I get there. And when the end is there, then there it is. But with this one, because there's been time in between, right. and, I, and for some reason the end came to me, and I know what the end is. So that, that is interesting. I actually hadn't thought about that until we're talking about it now. That's interesting. Hmm. But it, in general, yes, it's I don't know where we're going with poems. Most gotcha. of mine, I don't know. Um, it, yeah, it's more just, uh, you know, just as it is. It just gotcha. happens. So I think this next, my next question for you, it, it can really umbrella all arts. Okay. Like I run into this with, with paintings. Um... How do you, so when you go into that poem, freewheeling, as usual with the, with the exception of this exception, right? how do you know you're done? Hmm. Well, that's, that's an interesting question. Usually, I mean, this is not, it's hard to break down 
that in a in a way that makes sense or in a way that I can really be elaborate about mm -hmm. it it's done when it feels like it's done I mean there usually there will be a, a, I'll start I'll start real I think I'll start to realize I'm nearing the end a few lines before the end you know you start building to it so I'll be going through the lines through the stanzas and I'll reach a point where I'm starting to feel the, the rhythm of the poem and where it is going the subject whatever it is I'll feel the end approaching before I get there and I'll know kind of it'll a few more lines it'll we're gonna get there soon I'll have a sense an intuitive sense where we're almost there we're almost mm -hmm. to the end so it'll start building towards an ending at a certain point naturally it's not something I really think about it's just sort of you know you get to a point and it just makes it it make you just become aware that the end is nigh and then when it finally and it, it builds exponentially as we get line each line closer to the end mm -hmm. I'll have a stronger sense that the end is almost here and then when I finally get there it's a period you know mm -hmm. solid ending I feel it I feel the end and I'm like okay that's there's never there's never usually a sense of oh well in poetry at least there's never a sense of I've never experienced the sense of oh well this should I end it here or should I end it there um that's usually not the case it's usually mm -hmm. I feel the ending and it's right. very pronounced it's very obvious to me what the ending is now reading back over if I'm because not to say that um there isn't a type of editing with poetry too afterward maybe there is mm -hmm. I'll reread it and if something if some line or stanza stands out as really being like out of place I, I could think about getting rid of it you know that particular line but that usually doesn't happen. It's it's usually I'm I'm okay with it. I know a lot of poets will say it's like you do the process and then you go through and you kind of separate the wheat from the chaff and you'll do the process. And if there's something is uh, extraneous, you get rid of it and it's not necessary. So sometimes that may happen. I I tend to not do that. I tend to let it be. I don't like to you know. But but if something is really glaring that doesn't belong. Maybe I'll, I'll consider getting rid of it. Um, mm -hmm. But typically, that's never happened with an ending. You know, the ending is the ending, and I usually it's it's usually um, not going to change. So, gotcha. so I've never had a problem in poetry with with just you know determining um, is this done or not. It usually I, I know it when it's done. I know it. I feel it for sure. And I don't, I don't know if it's different with visual art or. Or some way similar, some ways different. I don't know. Well, like I, I have the the downfall where I like second guess my finished whether I'm in the state of being finished or not. Because um, mm. for me, like there's always I can always see even if I'm not there, I could always see that there's another avenue that I could possibly go down, where I could take this piece in this direction if I wanted to or if I wanted to stop and that's where I will at times like wrestle with am I complete or not with this drawing or this collage um, it's easier for me to declare a collage done than it would be to declare like uh, an ink drawing done so sure. I feel like there's a collage boxes you in a little bit more or a little bit more than a drawing would there's just so many avenues and for me, it's just sometimes tough to decide 
if this if I leave it alone or not. And I've experienced both leaving it alone and being happy or pushing forward and ruining it and then mm. having to then be presented with the challenge of, okay, I might have ruined this, but maybe not. Maybe <laughs> yeah, not. And sure. fight through it. And I would say maybe about 50% of the time of fighting through a screw-up, I end up more happy with it. Okay. Like, just because now I've put myself in this position of having to figure it out, or all those hours of work were meaningless right. if I don't figure it out right now. Right, right. Interesting. So. Interesting. Yeah. One uh, can tinker too much sometimes. Okay. Yes. But, I suppose, sometimes tinkering is necessary at the same time. So it's a tough balance. It is. How do you know? How do you it determine? Is. It's... As you say with, with your poetry, it, it does become a feel thing. Mm. And I think the more one does, the better they hone that feel. Sure. To sure. be able to say what where they want to go with it. And maybe that just goes to trusting yourself. Getting used to trusting yourself yeah. as an artist and as a person. I think that's one thing that we, that everybody should do more of, is trusting themselves. I've noticed that. We tend to second guess, and that's normal to an extent. That's natural. I've been there. We've all been there. Mm -hmm. But I find, like, the more you just give yourself up to whatever that force is and just trust, mm -hmm. it'll usually take care of you, you know? Yeah. I think, that's true. I think at least. Yeah. But as you say, sometimes it is, and, and, and me too, if, especially if I'm uh, with, my, uh, with my novel I'm working on or an essay. There will be times where I really am stuck on a, a sentence or a phrase or a word, mm -hmm. and I cannot get it's 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 very frustrating when you are it's just it's not it's not right there's something not right about it yeah so um, that does happen it's not always free flowing and easy it shouldn't be it's not meant to be easy yeah. you know but again I think you should in general really try to trust yourself because you you know you know inside and as you say the more you practice whatever you do the more mm -hmm. you get in the habit of, of, of creating whatever it is you're creating right the better you're gonna get at trusting yourself and at listening um, and knowing feeling feeling when something is done yeah, yeah. and I feel like those moments of of blockage in any form of art there is a tremendous potential for growth in those moments mm, right, because right. Um, like to use myself as the example like if there's just the other day working on this drawing and there's just something not right then mm -hmm. I, I know it and I'm like what is it so that that process of like artistically deconstructing the problem I feel over time like serves you in the future because it's way super likely that you're going to approach that problem again. Right. You know, sure. where you have like, okay, here's a problem. Like it's guaranteed that you'll yeah. face it again. Right. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And now like you've developed the tools to maybe deal with it a little bit better mm -hmm. or deal with it through a deeper channel of thought because you've gone through it or you've gone through something similar. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. You need to develop your own skill set at at dealing with those moments, mm -hmm. facing the challenge that any creative person faces. You know, yeah. and it's always going to be there. It's always going to show up. 
there's never going to be just uh, it's never all going to be perfect all the time yeah and I feel like if you're like if you're doing it right Mm -hmm. you're right it is going to keep showing up because Mm -hmm. we all are trying to continue to grow in some way Mm -hmm. and with that like you're going to experience those things sure sure. so it's all cumulative sure sure it's part of the process for sure for sure a lot of times too like you know whenever you reach one of those creative walls or whatever it's almost like you can feel there's like this pressure kind of building against it you know it's like whenever there is like you gotta put something down and go away <clears throat> you know whatever you know you're going through when you come back to it it's, it's like when you do break through it's like you know you can make some other crazy you, you start start working on another piece and it's like all this like artistic energy you can kind of just like you know where it wasn't being used it's kind of like it all just kind of pours out at once and like you know you could just go off on this whole crazy Right, right, and that made me that made me think of something when you said the pressure, because I I feel that when I'm stuck at a blockage, or I don't know what's next, or I'm having trouble with something, that pressure I feel also, it's like part of me, I know what's next. I want to keep going. I want to keep going because there's more to come, but I can't until I fix this thing. Right. And so for me, that's more the pressure I feel. It's like this thing. I want to keep going. I want. I know what's coming next. Let's get going. Let's get on with it. But I can't until I fix this. Yeah. So yeah, it can it. be frustrating for sure. Yeah. You know, you think I can't move on until I get this done, and maybe that's more. As I said, I tend to be kind of a perfectionist with things. Maybe some people will leave it and come back to it, and they'll just keep writing, and they'll, they'll I'll deal with that later. I, I've, I've, I, I'm sure some people are like that, but I just, maybe it's a mental thing. It's, I can't yeah. get past it. I no, gotta like fix I, it. I can understand. I, I can see it from both sides. And with writing, especially, because what you do in that sentence could then affect yeah, what comes next. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, because everything builds on what you've already done. Right. You know, it's like layers of a painting. I would imagine everything mm-hmm. is all these layers, um, yeah. and you're adding to it, and you're, you know, it's it's all interacting with itself and growing organically. And if one part of it is off, it's like you gotta fix that. So. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's it's all this stuff. I guess is true in in any artistic endeavor, whether it's music or visual art or fashion design or acting or writing or, or sculpting, whatever it is. I'm sure to an extent these problems are universal in any creative endeavor. So yeah, it's just part of it, part of creativity. I guess is the struggle, you know, of getting yeah. there. Yeah. Moving matter around. Still sure. 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 And it does, you know, like that struggle does make the. That was a huge spike, by the way. <laughs> um, that is what makes like the completion a little bit more like sweeter, is those handful of struggles we may have gone through. Sure. Throughout sure. that. Absolutely. And, you know the yeah. that feeling of of. Accomplishment. Accomplishment, yeah. That's and and success thinking. and overcoming. Yeah. Of the challenge. Yeah. Right? Definitely, definitely. And in this, you know, like in the artistic world, that it's tangible. Right. You know, that that right. that accomplishment is tangible. It's writing or painting or a piece of music. Sure. Here like, it is. You have, exactly. It exists. Yeah. You've brought something into the universe. Yeah. That wasn't there before, yeah. or maybe it was there, but you just tapped into it and translated it into our reality. Yeah. That's often the other thing I wonder about. <clears throat> is because uh, sometimes when I'm writing something and this is true of 
Uh, I noticed it in, in my poetry and also in this fictional sci-fi fantasy book I'm working on. The story in, in the book, the story feels in some ways like it's already a complete story. Sorry, and it's somewhere mm. in the ether and it feels like it's being downloaded through my brain and mm. onto the page. It's like, and that's why I know the whole story already. It's like I'm right. tapped into it. I know what that story is. Yeah. It's there. It's something that exists. Uh, and to me, it's very real and very alive. And it's just a matter of translating it and doing the work and getting it done bit by bit. But as to where it comes from, I guess you could make the argument, I may call it the ether. Some people may say, oh, that's your, it's just, it's your subconscious creative mind. It's your own mm-hmm. heart. Maybe they're both true. I don't know. But all I know is that in some ways the story feels like it exists somewhere and I am simply a facilitator. Uh, you know, it, it's coming. And But if that is true, it certainly is coming through the lens of my perspective, my know-how, my style as a writer, right. my own lens, and it's being filtered through that lens. Mm-hmm. But the story exists somewhere. That's what it feels like when I'm writing it. I've noticed that. Um, and that's true too with poetry to an extent Um, not so much with the essay writing because it's all about my experiences but everything else it feels like it's coming from somewhere else Mm. Uh, so it's an interesting philosophical question about art, the nature of art and what makes us make art, where does it come from within us, out in the universe the cosmos, the Akashic records where or some combination of all these things yeah Yeah. like it 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 feels to me like some some sort of a cocktail and that depending on who an individual is and depending on their surroundings those percentages that mixture of the percentages of your subconscious your conscious the universe you know your surroundings everybody's percentage is probably a little bit different mm-hmm. but like it, it it's definitely um like it, i think it has a lot to do with us that we know and us that we don't know right, right? i think True. there's there's constantly some like imaginary team deep down in your brain that's always going sure you know sure. it's fascinating yeah the way the brain works and the way we work and the nature of who we are and why creativity has always been such a part of our story. We, it's like we have to create things in the same way that we have to build things. Mm-hmm. Humans are builders and they're creators. This is what yeah. we do. And it's it's inherent to our nature. I think there is no society without art, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like just a mechanism that, that will not be ignored. You know, it's like you mm-hmm. have to listen to it. So yeah, I like that. Inspired. Yeah. 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 I like that idea about it being a cocktail, though. You're probably right. That is what it feels like. Yeah, for sure. For, for sure. sure. Yeah, because... You know, go ahead, Isaac. Or, uh, yeah, I don't know, like a, like nostalgia. Like, you ever get... Like, you look at something, whatever art form it is, and you get this weird sort of... Like, you feel a piece, like, speaks, like, about you, or, like, it's, like, describing you. Yeah, like, sure, sure. Or it's almost with, like, I don't sure. know, whether it's old things, you know, you've seen as a child or something, but, like, with writing or whatever setting you have, if, like, you can almost picture yourself in that setting. Does that kind of, sure. like, remind you of some kind of dreamlike, like, internal sort of realm that you just have to, 
like get out because it's just so it like moves you in such a weird way yeah Something and like I that. think I think that that reminds me of <clears throat> that concept going back to creating something that is universal so that everyone yeah. can tap into it and it, mm-hmm. it is a sense sort of a, a type of nostalgia perhaps um, that feeling like you're tapping into that which is universal that an artist like a Van Gogh or Matisse got on canvas and you're looking at it and it's absorbing you and it, yeah. it touches you and, and it reaches some part of you that that you respond to because they tapped into something universal through yeah. their art you know so yeah yeah, yeah and, and who's like who's to say that there isn't some sort of a you know invisible string that does somehow like in a matter of speaking an invisible spring string that attaches us all right and that <clears throat> sure is the reasoning behind why something two three hundred five hundred years old mm-hmm. could speak to us right now exactly yeah brilliant art is timeless yeah it is not bound by a space time mm-hmm. it, it's amazing when you think about it it's 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 miraculous um and it's bizarre and obviously to some extent there are trends in um, society where certain uh, types of art become more in favor than others and you know obviously it does go with the times to an extent and some things are a product of their times and some right. artists will you know they'll say about them that they were ahead of their time and mm-hmm. during their life they're a miserable poor homeless basically right. and struggling yeah. and suffering and yeah. people thought they were some sort of mad person uh, but now they're world renowned they're you know no I mean Van Gogh is a perfect example you know yeah. so it's like yes absolutely there is that amazing quality of timelessness in art and at the same time there are these uh, trends in art that go in and out of fashion but I would think that the timeless art does remain once it is understood and recognized yeah. that it is such it'll remain that way and people yeah. will always be able to appreciate it yeah so, for Trends, sure you know, it's just like shit pattern patterning out you know and it's like with information moving so quick it's like it's so easy to kind of like just see all these um whatever trend it may be uh, they just kind of solidify and become a thing but it's like even like the older greater or you know I, I don't know if you call it fine art or yeah just stuff from thousands of years ago you know and it's still I don't know, kind of lost what I was saying. But it's, it's like it's a still bigger relevant. pattern. It's still relevant, and it's, yeah. yeah, it is a bigger pattern. It, you know, and it just, it, it speaks to people internally. Sure, sure, sure. So than like, yeah, just commercial. Yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was, uh, in terms of, like, in literature, you know, the, the artists who may have suffered in any form, but te- their work tends to be the ones that stick around. We will continue to read authors like Huxley for a long time, probably until humans are done. He'll, his book will always be somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, will a book like, like will Twilight, just for a silly example, right, right, like, right, right, right. will that hold up? Will that still be a thing in 20 years, in 30 years? Maybe not. I mean, it's barely a thing now anymore. Right, right. You know? Sure. So maybe, maybe mediocrity naturally falls away out of favor. I'd like that idea. Right. And I think like it's it's a it's a macro thing because let's say something mediocre is popular, like, you know, when you're living through it, it's like, uh, here it is again. Sure. You know? Sure. But in the big in the huge picture, it's just a blip. 
as all the greatness just continues. Right, you know? right. It makes me think of Game of Thrones. Okay. No shade on anyone who still right. loves the show, but a great, beautifully written first, you know, four or five seasons or six seasons, and then mm-hmm. the end was a complete train wreck. How many people are going to rewatch that show? I know I'm not. Right. I mean, I may love the beginning, but the entire piece as a whole, the series, uh, is, in my opinion, a failure because they ruined the ending. Right. But I, I don't even think about it. I don't think about it. It was, it was a huge thing, and I was on the hype train, too. Right. I used to love that show. It was great. And there's some quality, obviously, for a lot of the show. It was great. But the ending is so sour and disappointing that, for mm. me, I mean, uh, again, uh, if, you, if you like it, great, good for you. But mm. I just found the ending to be kind of ruining the whole experience. I, I can't, I don't think about revisiting it, but something like Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy, right. I revisit maybe once a year because it's a masterpiece. Yeah. You know? So with, with Game of Thrones, just because I'm not... I don't know too much about it. Is wasn't there like was the last season? Um, so it went by the books, right? Sure, but they ran out of books. And then, right, they ran yeah. out, and then that's when because Mr. Martin hasn't finished them yet. Okay. Yeah, they kind of just did their own thing for the ending. They just did it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they may okay. have consulted him. I, I don't know, but they they did what they had to do. You know. Yeah. I think the first four, five, five books, right, are okay. out, and uh, so they had that to go on. And that's why the you know the best part of the show is the first four seasons or so. Yeah. You know that's that's because that's what they they had that material to go off of, and mm-hmm. uh, maybe that goes more to the the showrunners being uh, not as talented as maybe they think <laughs> they are, uh, dealing with that because they had a great I mean it's great I read the first book I never finished the others, I, I love the first book it was great mm-hmm. um, I should probably finish reading the ones, uh, the subsequent books but, um, yeah I mean that's just one example. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's there's plenty of others. Uh, well, like, you know. there's one show um, that's not as well known, but it was a, this show that played on HBO called Carnival. Albert. Was... <laughs> Albert. I love Carnival so okay. much. So it's, do I. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. So, like, that was based off of books. Okay. And, um... Oh, I need to read those. I forgot that. When they, when they got, like, they do the two seasons... Mm-hmm. And what happened? Did it get canceled? It's it bummer. No, you but they just stopped. Here's because I loved the show too, and right. I was like, okay, why? Like I needed to know why it right. stopped. Right. Because the story wasn't over. Sure. Like the the story even in the books continues. Sure. But what had happened was HBO was spending a lot of money on like the setup, like the. That whole just the whole thing, the production costs were mm, super high. Right. And they wanted the writer from what I'm doing my best to remember it, but they wanted the writer to like create a scaled back version so that HBO could cut costs, cut production costs. Oh, that's that's gross. So they went to him, they're like, look, like, can you like just cut it back, maybe write in a few less horses and make the crowd smaller, <laughs> you know? Um, no explosions. Oh, no. Less special effects. Oh, you HBO. Know? So HBO. the writer was like, no, screw you, I'm not changing it. Wow. And then wow. they presented him with the idea of making, like finishing out the series in a film. Hmm. They said, all right. We don't have the budget, but we'll meet you halfway. And instead of doing a season of a show, 
let's just do like a two-hour movie and let's just wrap this shit up. Right. And um, Arthur was like, no, like that's, I don't want to do that either. Right, right. So it pretty much like, it was in stalemate and like neither side would budge. Wow. And then it just was, now it's pretty much wow. just over. That's a shame. Yeah. Well, good for the author for standing his ground. I mean, yeah. that, that's a big question is when you're, especially when you're dealing with Hollywood or the film industry, the TV world, you know, making those concessions and, and dealing with them. And, and I guess you have both trains of thought, like it's a different form. So naturally you'll have to, there are certain things um, that you'll leave out or cut or will be different. Maybe yeah. you can make that, that it's okay to do that because it's the nature of it is different mm-hmm. than the book. But at the same time, it is your work. It is your baby, and all yeah. you know. I mean, right. so you want it to be what it is. You don't want it to be uh, uh, degraded in any way, or 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 short-handed or short-changed in any way. Yeah. You know, so it's a tough thing. That's why you know, even though for a while I did have an interest in screenwriting for a bit. Eh, I don't know, man. That's a whole industry that's you know, get involved in that. A lot of the times it seems like a real horror show. Um, but, you know, I've also always been a movie buff myself. I love mm-hmm. film. And part of part of the thing is that it is kind of a big collaborative art project, which is great in a sense. You have yeah. writers and actors and musicians and photography and costume people. And it's a, it's a big group art project. Mm-hmm. It's great at its purest essence. Yeah. But, of course, the problem is that the it's become so corporatized, yeah. boardroom-like in the right. way of the thought process of the script and, the hooks, and, and the producers being involved and companies having their right. market that they're oh, targeting yeah. and you mm-hmm. have to have cer- certain beats you have to hit and you have to make it digestible for the audiences and you have to mm-hmm. do all of these things. You can't just go all out creatively. You sort of are stifled and you have to... It's this... Pro- I mean, obviously, the whole... <clears throat> Kind of Disney Marvel thing is a good example of perfect and, example. I mean, they're fun, but they're you know at the same time it's like ugh, I, I don't know. But there are a few filmmakers I think that seem to have free reign for the most part. People like mm. Quentin Tarantino come right. to mind, where he just seems to do whatever he wants and it's fine. Right. You know, there are a few people in that you know Scorsese and people. You know, I think Christopher Nolan at this point to an, to an extent. A lot. Mm. Some of these people really do are able to just do their vision and not right. care about what anyone says right but they're the minority i think you know? yeah they, they're the minority and like they're they have made it in whatever way they have they've made it to that privilege right you right know? right scorsese is through his films and his career has in a matter of speaking like earned the right sure and sure. to be sure. say for someone to say do whatever you want Sure. You know, because sure. just that, just his brand mm-hmm. will do what the corporate people want. Right. Just his right. name on it will say, right. okay, like, name is enough. we know Scorsese, like, we know people right. spend their right. money right. on it, so. And maybe that's because it's not, they're not so much worried about the, the, um, uh, the wider, well, I was going to say the wider appeal, but, but there, there is wide, they know, they know that there's going to be wide enough appeal. With certain names, and they know that they're going to be Oscar contenders with certain names, right. so they're okay with it, you know. Right. But you're right; they build their careers over time, and mm-hmm. uh, and they're allowed to do what they want, pretty much. But that's where. But I am, um, I am torn about the film industry because, as I said, 
I've always loved movies, mm-hmm. and they're very inspiring, some of them. Yeah. Um, and I always love some of them. But, at the same time, I certainly feel like there's a huge like propaganda empire and sort of cultural engineering going on with a lot of other films at the same time. And it's in the music yeah. industry, too. The music right. industry in Hollywood is deep into some strange, shadowy stuff, it seems. Uh, yeah. it, you know, and that's that exists. I can't pretend that that doesn't exist. It does. Uh, and it's very strange. It's a powerful medium, you know. It I mean, is. audiovisual expect... input, right? Yeah, yeah, so the powers that be, it would only be expected, you know. that they'd... Right, that they would use it for it. particular... Right, okay. right. Mm-hmm. Everything there, there, definitely. There's some messaging that goes out for sure. Oh yeah, you know, in in, in all the content they produce. So then it's, it's a matter of who, 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 and why. Why mm-hmm. is that the messaging? Who is deciding right. that, and why? Why are these same themes, storylines, archetypes over and over again? They don't seem to be necessarily the classical archetypes or themes that may emerge naturally. Mm-hmm. Somehow they feel they feel artificial in some sense um, or, or in some ways um, I don't know just they, don't, they feel off a lot of the stuff in Hollywood just feels off it's very strange yeah well here it's like an interesting little side note that something I picked up on that to me is interesting and spooky about films particularly Disney so now like we know like Disney now owns some if not all of Marvel sure so the next time either of you find yourself in a department store and if you peruse the children's section so up and down the aisles and as you go up and down the aisles if there's let's say there's eight aisles of kids toys and they're all you know the Barbie aisle the car aisle the fake gun aisle the da 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 aisle mm-hmm. if there are eight aisles seven of those aisles are somehow a Disney product. Right. Be it Marvel yeah. or Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the the only thing that in this weird way that stands independent is like Barbie. <laughs> it's like one of the only things. And thank that, God for Barbie. Right. <laughs> she's like the last independent. Oh, no. This is where we get up. here. Barbie is the last stand. <laughs> the last Barbie standing. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that's a good point. But it's it's spooky, like to yeah. to realize it, and that it's just it's all the same thing, like the same factory is piping everything to kids, and depending on whatever they're into, it's all going back to the same the same eye in the sky, in a manner of speaking. Man, that's such a good point. That's such a good point. It's it's like the homogenization of everything, the hegemony of culture. You know, it's like everything is of the same nature. Nine yeah. times out of ten, this is the dominant culture. It's everywhere. It's hard to escape. It's reinforced, shoved down our throats, fed to us intravenously at this point, basically. And, yeah, for independent artists, or other, you know, it's very hard, you know? I mean, and, yeah, with film, it's it's crazy. I mean, um, it, it's a bummer because there's so many talented artists alive today in all yeah. circles in film and music and writing and art but a lot of them are not given a voice or a platform i mean thank god we have the internet and we have options now that we used to not have that yeah. helps yeah. but there's still this mainline culture that is so like you know 
factory produced like yeah. uh, uh, certified by a board of people and they mm-hmm. approved for consumption by the yeah. masses and it's really weird it's really really weird and it certainly affects children for one as I mean all of us adults too but especially kids I mean we because kids are just more malleable than yeah. uh, adults so and I guess that's always been the the case is that we're always kids are exposed to things that maybe they shouldn't be and you try to protect kids and whatever and that's always been the case, but it's it's so invasive now because of the nature of our world. And yeah. again, there's benefits to the internet, incredible, incredible benefits, but there's also drawbacks. You know, there's mm-hmm. pros and cons to everything. And the internet that brings us freedom of information and expression and being able to put your work out there is the same internet that downloads this uh, prepackaged culture into your home. You know, and it's so it's it's weird to balance that you know to balance those things be aware be very aware of what you're consuming because it matters it affects your mind i've experienced it i'm Mm -hmm. sure other people have too uh it does affect your reality it affects your perception yeah um and your 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 ethos even i would say it it can some people are so tapped into that that it like it affects their lifestyle almost yeah it's weird Social engineering of sorts. Yeah, I would say so. I would say so. I mean, I guess that, again, you could argue that these things have always existed, that people have always been subject to the whims of the few who are in power. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's true to an extent, but again, I think it's different because of the nature of the mechanism is much more personal now. It's Mm -hmm. your phone attached to you everywhere, your internet in your home, the connectivity of everything, you know? It makes it more in your face. Harder to escape it, I guess. Yeah. 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 Again, ama- amazing technology is just kind of harnessed for not the most right. altruistic purposes. You know, right. So. And I guess that's yeah. the thing about technology is that it can be used for any purpose that humans see fit to yeah. help or to harm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So healthy, um, healthy awareness of all of these things is important. Like, there's so many other things to experience. Sure. There's so many chances to take. Sure. And you may find something new in there. Sure. Whether it's a, even, like, down to, like, listening to music you may not have ever thought to listen to before. Right. Like it could Definitely. be that simple. Yeah. Something that simple can just kick open doors in yeah. your mind. And it is, it is sort of, like, exponential. Like, one thing leads to the other. Once you take the first step of freeing your mind from some of that mainline culture, mm-hmm. you're gonna it's gonna open more doors and then more doors and more doors and you're gonna be introduced to more things that are interesting and, and vibrant and, and, and just um, higher quality uh, content, whatever that content is, whatever that media is that you're consuming. Um, it's very important um, because there's so much great stuff out there that people aren't exposed to. They're, because they're, they just don't know about it because they're 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 stuck as you say in this right. this this cycle of consuming the same type of product the same type of mm-hmm. information media whatever it is they're they're stuck in it shitty and job, um, shitty food shitty, shitty yeah. you know yeah shitty. it has an effect on you over and over, yeah. and I, yeah you want to see people like um, explore more and I, I want that for myself too I always want to try to um, have you know explore new horizons you know things i haven't experienced before in the way of culture and art um but yeah it's just it's so hard right now 
And, you know, just, again, like, social media doesn't help because that's, like, a whole other thing where people promote certain yeah. ideas and things and they get promoted and they're just they're wrapped up in it. So, yeah, it's tough. It's mm. tough. We're in a weird situation. We're in a really weird situation. And I think people feel, a lot of people seem to feel frustrated by it. That's one thing I've noticed is that more and more people are uh, sort of aware that there's mm. this weird culture being fed to us. Like, why? Yeah. And people are asking, like, why? What Some is this? Business, yeah. And people that a few years ago maybe weren't weren't savvy to that, now I can have the conversation with them. And they're like, yeah, I, I get it now. I see it. It's weird. Yeah, this is pretty weird. It's yeah, weird. Where did yeah. this come from? You know? And I, I do think that there are some people who would argue that it is organic and that it's not something fed to us. It's just a product of our culture evolving. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I understand that point of view to a degree... But I just don't agree with it. I, I do. Mm. It, it just feels like there's some outside force manipulating culture. That's what it feels like. So yeah, it's hard enough. It's just us doing this to ourselves, or there's something else with the streams. But yeah, it does seem more like the whole like nobility behavior. You know, whatever like horrible forces that are kind of would be like overlording this whole thing mm-hmm. we're living on. It's like it probably stems from very sort of lower brain activity reptilian sort of yeah it seems like there's that yeah and it's like it's very base and it's very like degrading in some ways like the over sexualization of everything in the music industry in Hollywood is a good example taking something that's really ancient and beautiful and sacred and uh, and the reason our species exists and turning it into the most base shallow uh, shadow of what it is Mm -hmm. that's another thing that I find really disturbing too and, and, and I think that um, causes a lot of damage to people's psychology, their behavior, the way they act in their relationships, the way, you know, we've sort of seemed to have, uh, some people sort of seem to have lost a basic respect for one another. We, some people treat each other pretty poorly, it seems. And some of yeah. that seems reinforced by some of what we see in certain movies, TV, for example. Yeah. Uh, so that's another... And man, you look, you look like a little two-year-olds too. They already got like the full, full-on tablet. It's like t- three oh, it's times so, as big as their head. Oh man! It's <laughs> like, what's this? What's this link? What's it's so the, disturbing. Let's check it out. <laughs> yeah. It's so disturbing. I hate it. It's, I hate it. Little fun. little kids with electronics weirds me out. I know some parents will be like, "Hey, it's convenient. It's fine." You know, have it okay. raise my child. Let's okay. Yeah. Fair whatever. <laughs> you know, no judgment. I yeah. guess. But I mean, th- th- there it is. You know. Yeah. So, yeah, it's weird. It's crazy. Yeah, like it's it's sort of like you know, starting them. You could say like starting them young. Sure. Like it's like let's just you know if we want to go there, like let's just program them mm-hmm. the young younger and younger, and we'll make a tablet that looks like Pikachu. Yeah. And then the kid's gonna want it. So yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, it really does. Like seeing, it, especially in like the last year and everything, it's like just how the whole education system has been restructured to kind of get this whole new generation to be very autonomous, like, capable yeah. drones almost to just be a little pilot, like a, a terminal of sorts. But, I mean, at the same time, you know, I was like, we, we were thinking it could just, the whole Rona thing, how it could just be, there's like a renaissance sort of brewing, you know, so that we're all, all these artistic minds are kind of trapped in our own heads and our houses, not nowhere to really go or do. It's like, it could explode, maybe. Maybe. Who knows, next year, it'd be a lot better or something. It's fascinating the past year how that's a good point like how that's affected everyone 
being yeah. uh, a little more time to yourself. Um, yeah, it, it's it's been obviously pretty tough on a lot of people. Um, you could say that um, perhaps, though, there's the potential there to, as you say, bring out certain good creative things in us. Yeah. Uh, force us to look within and, mm-hmm. you know, do make some good out of a bad situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, the other thing that occurs to me is the separation, though, the other negative thing, the separation, you know, people like... We're all on our phones, we're kids on tablets, and it's like they're separated from the tactile world around them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, I think, is pretty harmful. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, you need to be able to interact with your world. Perhaps some people yeah. would say, well, the digital landscape is the dominant world of the future. They are yeah. interacting with their world. We're, we're, it's the digital world. We're transporting yeah. But, that yeah, that's a whole other rabbit hole, but... I think it's super important to remain grounded and connected to that which is around you rather than like diving headfirst into a oh, digital yeah. landscape. Deeper than the phone or the computer, like we're, we're walking, like we already, right. you know, that, we don't yeah, need yeah, yeah, the attachments. Yeah. Right, you know? right, right. That is such a good point. I mean, yeah, there's an endless reservoir of, of um, creativity and beauty and ideas within us yeah. that we should be tapping into as much as we can and even if you're not like quote unquote a creative person there's still so much richness within every human being it doesn't matter if you're and you consider yourself an artist or not it's still there there's something there and you're right why why tap into what your phone is feeding you why not tap into what is within yourself and feed yourself the spirit that's within you the knowledge that's within you the wisdom Mm -hmm. that's within you um, if you're going to dive into any world that's unseen or intangible, right, why not Why not have it be yourself? You know, yeah. know thyself. It's super important. you got to know yourself. Um, and, and there's just there's endless richness there. Human beings are full of um, complex, beautiful things. Yeah. And it's like the more you waste your time, well, maybe some people wouldn't consider it wasting, but the more you spend your time uh, on the phone, on the internet, absorbing whatever, scrolling through social media or absorbing different things, you know, why are you allowing, that's a choice, you have to realize that that's a choice, you're yeah. choosing to fill your head with certain things, mm-hmm. um, and obviously I'm not, I'm not saying that you should be like a, like a hermit or a monk living separate from the world around you, I mean, it's right. good to stay up on what's happening in the world, certainly, but you don't have to drown in it. You know, you yeah. can you can take the time, take God, even fifteen minutes a day, and just sit and be quiet, and just think and just feel who you mm-hmm. are, yeah. and look within yourself. It's not empty in there. Yeah, we're not. Right. I mean, you know, it's like this. We're not like empty vessels waiting to be filled by or whatever outside forces. I mean, we're influenced by things and. Um, you know certain art or music or literature inspires us and moves us but there's so much in us that we need to express we need that we should that we should strive to share with the world in whatever way is good for you that's the other thing i think that we we need to remember is like we each have a piece of the puzzle i think you know we each have a wisdom that no one else has so share it Whatever your thing is, share it and, and think about it and, and listen to yourself 
and you know consider your own heart and mind don't bend over backwards for outside forces in culture or some authority figure or some political movement or or any one thing like listen to yourself you know and and talk to other normal people you know i say normal we were surrounded by these talking heads and celebrities and politicians who they just i don't i don't even they're they're like they're these weird they they feel like are just these i don't want to say they're not human they're human but you know they're they're just they're so odd they're like in another world you know i feel like they've been probably at some point whether it's like the world of hollywood or the music industry or politics like i feel as though these people just by going through the process let's we could let's assume that everybody started with good intentions and i feel like just the process of getting there can dehumanize you Mm -hmm. in one way or another you you want to be the pop star yep yep i mean there's so many like weird tales of what people went through uh, as, like, for example, child actors in the industry. Yeah. People like Macaulay Culkin and Elijah Wood and all the other, you know, the high, Corey Haim and whatever, all these people. Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy. It's weird. And, and they are corrupted and they're, they're damaged and abused, a lot of them. And so that's one thing. And then, yeah, all the people who, as you say, maybe in Hollywood or in, uh, want to get in the arts, in that in, in music industry, or if they're in politics in D.C., they may have the best intentions they may go in there, but the nature of the thing, the nature of the institution does corrupt, I think. It's it's almost, um, I mean, you, you got to really be like a, a Zen warrior monk to get through <laughs> Washington, D.C. Right. after a 50-year career and still be pure of intent. You know, yeah. it's, it's a borderline <laughs> impossible, I would say. Right. So it, it's hard when we're living in a system that is so broken and so, um, so ripe for corruption. You know, yeah. I mean, how do you, it's like you have to, I mean, in, in Washington, you have to wheel and deal. You have to wheel and deal. You have yeah. to be part of it. All the suits, you know, the congressmen, they just have, like, their sponsor kind of... Yeah, like NASCAR jackets. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly. They should. They should. They're all bought and paid for. It's it's really sad. And I, I want to I wanna not be cynical, but I am. I've gotten very cynical about the yeah. systems of our nation and world. Um, I mean, it's a sad thing. <laughs> I want to... I would love... I would love to believe that the government has our best intentions for us, you know? I would love to believe that um, Hollywood and the music industry are, are just artists uh, sharing beauty with the world. Mm-hmm. But that's not always the case. Um, there's just a lot of yeah. weird shadow stuff happening. And, uh, you know, I think people are aware of it, though, especially now, because I feel like we, we exist now in a place where it's harder to keep things secret. Uh, maybe that's part of the technology that we have. Things are easily recorded and, yeah. you know, you can... People get caught now more, I think. They people don't get... But but then again, at the same time, there does seem to be a class of people that's beyond the law. Mm-hmm. They're so wealthy and powerful that they can't be touched. And that's yeah. a problem, too. Right. You know, how do you deal with that? I don't know. Mm. How does one person deal with such things you know yeah it's very tough tough situation yeah i mean i'm not necessarily convinced that we're like 
about to do Fall of the Roman Empire stuff, but I wouldn't count it out. Yeah, yeah like, it, it, it definitely... And I'm not, like, super in touch with much in the world of, like, politics and things, but there's a change in the air. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't know what, I don't know, good or bad, but it mm-hmm. definitely feels like... I don't think we can continue down okay. this track nope. the same way for no. much longer. No, we're not. You know? I don't. I don't think we're gonna. There is change. It's definitely front row seats, man. Being on Earth right now. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's, so yeah. Many, so many different ways. It's, it's yeah, go. yeah. It's a fascinating time to be alive, but yeah, change is the one constant, right, in the universe. Mm-hmm. Humanity has always changed and evolved. Nothing remains static. Empires rise and fall, you know, borders of countries change, people change, um, and, and yeah, we're in the midst of a, a more tumultuous period, it feels like, uh, more than perhaps you would say usual, but we're always growing and changing, it's just for, it seems like there are periods where it's slow, steady change and evolution, and then there are other periods where it's all at once a giant yeah. shake-up. Right. happens and it feels like we're in the midst of that right now um it's just a matter of what direction we want to shake up into you know where right. do we where do we want to go that's something we have to think about um because we could go to really uh really beautiful interesting places or or we could go to some serious uh uh dark restrictive places so I would just say that, you know, people need to really be aware of what they acquiesce to, what they agree to in their lives, and what mm-hmm. they want to build, and what they want to experience, and, you know, there's a lot of players uh, on the world stage, all with their own agendas, and corporations certainly have become yeah. key players, which is pretty twisted and strange. The sort of corporatocracy thing is scary. Um that's why I always say, like, small communities are really important. Staying local, having small, local, self-sufficient communities mm-hmm. where... Their own food. Right, their own food, their own energy, their own shared Currency. ethos or shared sense of community. That is more important than ever. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, because there, there's... If, if anything does happen with the system eating itself and caving in on itself, you want to be able to sustain yourself and your friends yeah. and family. Mm-hmm. That's probably... Yeah. They'll probably I, head there pretty quick without the advent of whatever it would be, you know, modern, you know, electricity degree. You know, if it was all to just go away, it's really... Yeah. It's like a, it's like a sci-fi writer's... Well, all it would thing. take is a big enough solar flare, right? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. And then watch out. That would win the game. Yeah. Yeah. Then we're done for. We got it. We're going back to something else. So yeah, I say just be prepared. You know, have. I mean, I'm not. I'm. I'm an optimist. First of all, I am. By my nature, I know I'm like I'm. Con- I am concerned with all this crazy stuff. Right. But I try to always be optimistic. And at the end of the day, I actually do genuinely feel like we're gonna be all right. I feel like we're gonna come through whatever challenges and we're going to grow and we're going to survive. The human race is good at surviving things. Yeah. They really are. We're still here. People should remember that each and every one of us are here because our ancestors were survivors, you know? Yeah. Remember that. Like, you're capable of a lot. 
people are capable of dealing with more than they realize uh, mm. that they are. You know, it's we're we're strong beings, um, and we're resilient. You know, we're yeah. very resilient. I have to remember that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's hard like to think about if there is a solution to all the corruption and all the weird stuff. You know, I, I guess as I said, the best bet to my mind, or one of the best bets, is just to be independent in how you live and how you think. How, you know, be self-sufficient as much as you can. Be yeah. close to your family and your neighbors and your friends. You know? Yeah. That's important, I think. So. Yeah, yeah no, I think so, too. Just That's don't, yeah, no standing in the way of it, you know, just roll right over and just mm -hmm. staying away. Is the biggest thing, probably. Yeah, yeah. Further from whatever <clears throat> you said. Yeah. I mean, if you get wrapped it, if you get wrapped up in it, it's it can you got to be careful, you know. If you're yeah. and I mean, God bless them, people who are really politically active and they're trying to do what they think is right and they're they're out there protesting or they're doing they're writing letters to their Congress people and whatever the thing you know, good for them. That's great. I just, you know, I haven't done that yet in my life. Maybe I should be more active. Some people think that's really important. Um, maybe that's something I'll explore in the future, but part of me tries to avoid it, you know. Right. Because it's a, it's a strange, strange thing to get involved in too heavily. People are very convinced that their side has the answer. Yeah. That's the other thing I've realized. Nobody seems, well, not nobody, but some people don't want to have a conversation anymore no their yeah. attitude is it's no the, longer than the, the time for conversation is over it's my way or the highway yeah to a lot of people that's the attitude and uh i've certainly lost friends because of opinions shared right that maybe they found distasteful even though they're just relatively moderate views right it's not good enough yeah and that like there was a time, even in our lives, where people were more apt to be able to not agree. Right. And people were more willing to coexist as, you know, you thought this, I thought this. And that's but, okay. Right, exactly. And when yeah. you're able to, like, yeah, butt up, butt heads with each other and, like, you know, acknowledge, you know, whatever differences, nothing that, no better or worse, but, you know, when you can openly like see that in whatever maybe two people like two individuals two right. whole groups of people it's then like you know you you've reached that uh, deeper understanding and you know you can i don't know bother you know that and i feel like when you approach it in that my way or or highway i think that however many sides there are two three four however many each side will only dig the dig their heels in deeper mm -hmm. if if everyone is of the mindset of my way or nothing. Sure. You know, and then sure. it's going to be harder and harder and harder for any progress to be made. Mm -hmm. If we're just going to automatically shut each other down. Yeah. We've forgotten how to agree to disagree. Yeah. People don't think that's acceptable anymore. There are people who have the attitude, it is not acceptable to agree, yeah. to, agree to disagree. You have to be fully on board with my opinion or I'm going to excise you from my life, like a right. pus-filled tumor. Yeah. <laughs> it's really weird. It's really weird. And obviously, like, you see it more on social media. I don't see it as often. I mean, it's, it's creeping into the day-to-day -day in small ways, I think. 
-hmm. but it's obviously more prevalent on social media, which is its whole other, a whole other reality where people feel like they can resort to personal attacks and it, it, yeah it just feels like a dumping ground for all like this subconscious yeah like, seriously bullshit, yeah know? i mean i don't even know why I'm, I'm i'm actually in the midst of like a two-week break from social media oh, no. it's yeah, been it's yeah. been great it's yeah. been great i mean i miss the memes but <laughs> other than that it's been great <laughs> right other than, yeah pe i mean people go all out people go all out they're really yeah. they're really serious they are. They're really <laughs> serious. So good. It's good. Oh, good for you. I mean, that's great. I, it's you know whatever. I don't want to judge too hard, but it's gonna affect your mind and soul after a while. Yeah. You just hear like heavy fucking breathing. Oh yeah. And yeah. Keyboards, like, yeah, the keyboard cool. warrior. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sure, sure. <laughs> Man, I don't know. And uh, it's weird to think like, um, in the small ways that it is creeping into the day to day. I wonder if that's going to continue, if it's going to... Are we going to allow it to make our daily interactions with people in the physical world as hostile as they are yeah. in the social media world? I hope not, but that freaks me out. I hope not. I hope we can... Because by and large, in the day-to-day, -day, most people I interact with are, are pretty lovely. I'm fine with yeah. them. They're not all hyped up. They're, you know, I mean, occasionally... Especially now, you know, you see it more often than you did. There are people who are dealing with stuff and they're uptight or they're not feeling great, and that you right. they show it more and they're a little more apt to show it. But in general, it's I've always you know most people are still pretty just normal human beings being in yeah. living in a society, dealing with each other, right. interacting, with, not being disrespectful of each other. You know, it's that separation on. Um, the screen that yeah. gives people the right they feel like they have the right to be really really like uh hurtful right. and disrespectful yeah because which is really not warranted i mean it's like there's kind of there's some cowardly aspect to it too the fact that you, right you're yeah. hidden behind the screen just, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And I, I also there's no threat of getting punched out you know no. right yes. that's the thing. but I, I also feel like there's that element of it and there's also an element of either underlying whether you feel it or not i think there's an element of compassion that comes across when you're dealing with someone face to face one-on-one -on -one. right because right. whatever you do you are getting that person's reaction mm -hmm. and there's something in us i feel like there's a good part of us that doesn't want to sure. hurt someone we're empathetic beings yeah. we're social beings we we are i think nature and biology strives for balance right mm -hmm. for for symbiosis for yeah. for co-evolution and we want we don't want things to be chaotic and violent that happens sometimes but we prefer stability because it's better for the the, the growth of our species um and we are empathetic and when you're with someone sharing a space with someone you know as you said seeing their face reading their face feeling their mm -hmm. energy interacting with them you you can't you want to be i mean they're they're another human you can't deny their humanity yeah. in the same way that you can when you're separated by the internet through right. a screen you know yeah. uh so that's a huge huge point i think to realize um that you know just because we're separated by the screen doesn't give us the right to right tread all over people mm -hmm. you know I mean, maybe I've been guilty of it once or twice, but I try. I don't. I try not be. 
I try right. to be respectful. I really do. Yeah. I mean, people would go off on my posts sometimes. And I, I try to, like, just be, like, moderator sometimes. Or, or, or if I'm responding, I try to keep it on point and not... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna like, you know, start attacking the person. Right. You know, if we're just, I, I actually encourage open discussion about things. I, I love that we can. I want to be able to talk about ideas. Mm-hmm. We have to be able to do that. So I try to always like, you know, be aware of that, yeah. be cognizant of that. Yeah. But some people are just. They just. They're they showing. Yeah, they're not. You said <laughs> they don't want to know. They, they, oh, they don't man. like it. It's scary. Yeah. It's scary. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what the future holds then in, in regards to that. I really don't. Like, where do you go from there? You know, what's the... Not far. Where, where does that end? Where does that road end, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's I can't even imagine. I can't, other than it pouring into our lives more and affecting our day-to-day life. Right. That's my worry. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm not too worried about it because, as I said, most people are still... You know, I, I really enjoy the company, you know, mm-hmm. from... Uh, dealing with someone in real life, I, I like most people. So yeah, yeah, I should be encouraged. It's just like real time, real time, space connection with people. Like you know, sharing some space or some yeah. ideas because it's, it's so much harder now. I know, right? Like yeah. I know. <laughs> it's but. so important, especially now that people are more separated. Yeah, it's like in so many ways, everyone. It's like everyone is being like separated from each other in a lot of different ways, physically, mentally, spiritually, and. That separation is really uh, unfortunate. Yeah, it makes yeah. I mean, weak. yeah, we need people are happier in groups and they're stronger when they have when they have that connection is yeah. really important. So we're in a situation now where the connection is readily available online, but the problem is that the online connection tends to lead us to those argumentative, negative places. Yeah. So it's a it's a conundrum a little bit. And the other thing is, like, you know, like it's very difficult for context and, um, like, cadence to come across right. in a typed-out response to somebody. Sure. And I think that a lot of people are presupposed to automatically have a knee-jerk reaction mm-hmm. to a disagreement Sure. online because, A, like, you're not in front of the person and your tone is not coming across. Right. The right. other person who may already be irritated with you is now injecting what they think your tone is. Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yep, yep. And I think part of it, it may be connected to the instant gratification element of our society. And I think that's connected to the knee-jerk reaction thing. Everything is instantaneous now. Mm-hmm. It's like you, um, you know, there's this thing about not, not having the patience to um, enjoy something properly, it has to be instant right now. And I think that translates also to our reactions to things that we have problems with maybe. We're trained to have a knee-jerk reaction rather than sitting with it, thinking about it. It's this instantaneous thing, uh, which again, is probably a combination of the nature of our technology and also just the, the speed at which media is presented to us. Everything is instant. So you're mm-hmm. gonna be able to get that um, order an Amazon package and have it delivered to your door the next day or a few yeah. days later, or you're gonna have be able to just go get fast food and it's right there, um, or whatever it is. Have a movie instantly on your computer. There it is. Yeah. Everything is instant. So I do th- see that there is maybe a connection between that and that instant gratification and also instant knee-jerk reactions. 
rather than being patient, thinking, listening, actually mm. listening to what someone's saying, right, and not be offended by their opinion because guess what? Maybe they're they're not they're just expressing their opinion. They're not trying to hurt you personally. It's just mm. their opinion. Right. So I think we need to slow down as well because everything is like in hyper speed. Yeah. And when you go fast, you make mistakes. When right. you're playing a chess game and you move too quickly, you make mistakes. Mm-hmm. You need time to think and to see and to listen mm-hmm. and to absorb properly, process the information. But our world has become sound bites, headlines, um, very quick bits of information, very fast. Yeah. You know? And that, that certainly affects the way we deal with problems the way we face problems and the way we deal with each other mm-hmm. so it's it's pretty interesting well there you have it folks noah kept wilson what a great conversation it was so much fun having him on the show noah is going to be back with a whole lot more content we're going to get him back on the show very soon i'm hoping it was also good to have isaac back on the show don't forget it's been an hour and a half since i told you don't forget Isaac's new music video go on YouTube under Old King Moon you'll find it there it's a fantastic video with great cinematography and great music all done by Isaac himself you could find this podcast and a whole lot more on all major podcast platforms what does that mean? I'll tell you what it means just between you and I Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, the podcast app, and YouTube with a little bit of video to make things a little bit easier to swallow. It's like peanut butter and dog pills. Just video, little video action, something to look at makes the whole podcast go down a little bit easier. And why not? Why not make things go down a little bit easier? With that all said... I want to thank Noah again for being on the show. It was great. Thank Isaac for coming on the show. And thank you for listening. Warm weather's here. Go out, enjoy yourself, breathe some air, take care of yourself, and take care of somebody else. Get yourself hit with some of that vitamin D. 